Chad, come on, man. Hey, hey, Chad. All right, I guess I'll do the plugs. I'll do them. Chad, you sit out this time. Oh, getting cut off just like Chad is. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Last Week Out Podcast. Yeah. This week, Chad's not with us, so we're going to have a good time. Mm. Uh, let me do some sponsors. Uh, the music, Devin. An original sponsor appreciate the music we would like more beats from you keep sending them we're gonna clip and change things up our art and flyers that was sissy art who made those and our sponsor is butt out mm. butt out mm. but out e6.com that's right they have all of your vape needs they have your hardware mm. your coils that you put vape liquid on because i vape also you can buy memes there you, you don't sound like you vape. Yeah. that was you, the most i don't vape statement butt, ever good big butt. you can buy nosses there but here's yeah. the great thing only at the store though we don't mail those well i mean maybe try so if you put last week out and as a promo code in your order you'll get 20 percent off it's an amazing deal please 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 try it out if you vape, please go to Bud Out, and when you check out, use promo code Last Week Out. You know, if you spent five grand on vape juice, you'd save a thousand dollars. One with that promo code. Bucks. You could save a thousand dollars at the website by you just can't entering that. Not code. Yeah. to buy five thousand dollars worth of stuff when you save a thousand. Yeah. I gotta get my energy up, man. I'm feeling it, missing Chad. But we did bring on a guest yeah. who's going to help me with Maybe that. if you had a Perrier of your own, you'd have some That's true. Extra energy. Our, guest, uh, our guest brought Perrier, and he was expecting hair and makeup here, and we <laughs> expected him to bring us Perrier. So you both were let down. We're even. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll do introductions. I'm Anthony Tatum. I'm here. I'm going to help facilitate this combo and our mixing and mastering and editing and everything that goes on besides this conversation is our very own David Slack. Come drunk. He is by far the most important person on this podcast. Mm. Mm. Don't be a bitch. And our guest. <laughs> this week, man, I'm happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Is a close friend of ours, uh, Tanner. Barbosa, man, we've been trying to pin you down for how long we've been doing this thing. This is episode 21, right? Yes, uh, might be 22, actually. There was a lost episode somewhere oh. in there that we're not sure if is ever going to surface or not. Yeah, last mm. week, uh, <laughs> at, you know what? It's late again. Right now, it's Sunday night. It's 1130. What 11.30. Our clock says 4.20. but mm. Our clock yeah. is stuck at 4.20 because we're fun. But uh, we're going to get this episode in, but last week we filmed an episode, and who knows? Maybe you guys will get it yeah, later. Who knows? Maybe it'll be an April Fool's episode. That's a pre yeah. It's a pretty good one. It's a long time away. But I asked Chad uh, if we should have Tanner on. He said, this guy's a fucking bitch, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy we have clips of Chad just to bring his energy. No, honestly, thank you for coming, man. And... Uh, you know, me and you were talking a little bit before it because there's a lot of ground we can cover. 
There is. You know? Um, Tanner is a man that I've met in the last year. He comes with a little bit of baggage. So does all of us, though, don't we? A little red flaggage. A little red flaggage. But since I've known Tanner, he's been nothing but a good friend to me. And so I would kind of want to cover a little bit about what's gone on with you in the years that you've been involved with the uh, recovery community. Of course. But first and foremost... I want to hear a little bit about you. I know you're from Missouri. I am from St. Joseph, Missouri. <laughs> okay, where's that? Uh, so St. Joseph, Missouri is about um, 35 miles north of Kansas City. Okay. Um, it's a pretty small town. I mean, I mean, it's relatively small. It's it's like um, big enough to be a city, not big enough to be a metropolitan. About 80,000 people. Or Got so. it. Are you an only child? Um, I was until so I have a lot of only child symptoms. I was until um, my uh, was. my siblings got four. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was an only child until I was thirteen. Yeah. Um, I'm the only child that my um, mom and dad had together. My dad doesn't have any more kids. Okay. Um, but my mom um, had a uh, boy. So my brother Beckett, whenever I was thirteen, and then he she had a uh, daughter, my my sister Sophie, whenever I was sixteen. So, but by that time I was like. Already out, yeah. checked out of the house yeah, already. Pretty much. So, as he, full, he had a viral video go about about the difference of staying one day, two days, and three days in St. Joe. Was that me? <laughs> did. Oh, oh, I remember yeah. that. I remember a little that. vine, I forgot vine about clip. That. Yeah, that yeah. was good. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> were your was your dad and mom? How long were they together while you were around? Um, like eight weeks to like two months, and then dad left. No, um, so so I've always um, uh, been fortunate to grow up with both parents. So my uh, mom and dad were very young, met in college. Uh, my dad was 20 and my mom was 19 when I was born. And then, um, yeah, they, they didn't last a whole long, whole very long time after I was born. They split up. But I've always gone with my dad just as much as my mom. No so, kidding. Yeah. So Did I, they do that outside of court, like kind of just split it up three and four and then on like offset it? How'd that work? Yeah. So I think um, when I was like first born, they may have went to court just for like the child support um, side of things, but I don't, and they may have figured out days, but I know that we didn't really venture too far from that for the first um, 11 or 12 years. And then as, um, I, as you know, problems started to arise as I got older then I would have, um, like hiatuses from, um, one house to the other for a couple weeks. And then were they pretty amicable? Like, did you, when did you realize like, Oh my, my mom and dad did, did they get along or did it, was there a time where you realized like, so oh. first I like, I it's worth mentioning. My parents are completely different. My parents are like polar opposites, like how they manage to, meet and um, have a baby is beyond me because they are two completely different people. Um, I could tell you how that happened. Yeah. If you want to know. Sex. Please. We'll yeah. talk after. Um, but no, yeah. So like I, I always knew that my parents didn't agree with each other on things, but my parents both did a very, very good job of never um, speaking too poorly about each other. You That's know, awesome. like there was things that my mom would do that would annoy my dad and I could tell. Um, and vice versa, you know, there was things that, um, my dad would do that would annoy my mom and my mom would, you know, vent, but it was never like, uh, no, oh, your dad, this and all your dad, that, or yeah. like your mom, this, not your mom. They was never, I never really experienced that growing up, which I'm very fortunate for. No, that is lucky. There's a lot of people who didn't have that experience with separate households. And so for you, you even alluded to 11, 12, 
you started having a little bit of uh, issues. Was that was that just with you? Everything or? was gay when we were twelve. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it was a little bit before, maybe. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I started. Um, you know, I, I had issues from a pretty young age. Um, like what? Just like self worth issues and. Um, you, you know, the, the common thread amongst people like us, like not being, not feeling good enough, not being okay alone, um, never really feeling fully, uh, fulfilled or satisfied. Like I can, uh, I can date back to being like nine or 10 years old and like sitting in my, my bed and just, you know, cause I had some like behavioral issues and stuff like that. And just thinking like, I'm just a bad kid. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. going to be, I'm going to be good tomorrow, man. Yeah. See, when I was a kid, I like, I thought I was popular. I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, I was. Yeah. Well, then, but even when I went home alone, I was like, oh, man. I'm the shit. I'm, <laughs> I, that kind of bleeds out in my life now, today. I, it yeah. makes me pretty confident. Like, yeah. anytime I sit in an interview, I'm like, you'd be lucky to have yeah, me. I know, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> but for you, young age, just having some self, self-worth issues. So, yeah, so I've always had a very um, weird sense of self-worth. So... Um, you know, I've, I've always felt like, uh, like, um, I, you know, I talked, I thought about doing like a stand up special and calling like the coolest piece of shit I know, because like, that's kind of like my idea of myself is like, I think I'm cool as shit. Like, yeah. I think I'm super cool. Okay. And I, and I, you know, I've always, um, been, uh, witty, you know what I mean? I've always, right. I've always kind of had that ability to fire back and, and, um, amuse, you know, my mom, my pair, my mom's friends, my dad's friends, things like that. But at the same time, like, I really think I'm a dirtbag. Oh, and yeah. I have since Underneath I was a kid, it. like even before I, cause like you guys know, and like a lot of viewers probably know, like I, I have done a lot of dirtbag shit, but like even before that dirtbag shit, I was a dirtbag in my mind. You know? Really? Yeah. No kidding, yeah. man. All right. And, and so even when you, uh, you say deflect with humor, you know, I, I wanted to kind of, you know, precurse this conversation with saying like you being a close friend of mine, um, and we always have a lot of laughs and, uh, and I lean into humor a lot too, even oh, in yeah. hard times. I just, I believe in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but for us, we're going to try and do our best to stay out of this during, we don't need to have like a completely somber podcast. But for me, I think that in order for us to get down to sort of the place I want this to go, um, I'm going to do my best to keep us out of just like, even when you say like the word dirt bag, you know what I mean? It's like when you were a kid, were you feeling like suicidal or were you just yeah, feeling so, like... Yeah, so I mean, I went that, that came a little bit later on in like preteen era, like 12, you know, 11 years old. But yeah. I no mean, kidding. Yeah, I, Were I, you on meds when you were a kid? Yeah. So that's a big contributing factor in my mind. Um, you know, with my parents being younger um, and, and you know, I'm 26. So I was born in uh, 93 and I came up in the like ADHD era and like the early signs of psychosis era and the, um, you know, untreated bipolar era, like when that was like everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, I don't have enough letters behind my name to tell you whether like that stuff's true or not. Right. Um, you know, but I, I took a lot of medications as a kid. Yeah. Um, and, and an adult. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I guess a little, a little different kind of medication. But, um, yeah, no. So I, you know, I got put on, um, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys are like familiar with like Vyvanse, you know, Vyvanse yeah. now today. Presently, Vyvanse is a, you know, a stimulant. It's like a replacement for Adderall for kids that have been on Adderall their whole lives and it's not strong enough anymore. Um, so it's like Adderall or Vyvanse is mostly for adults now. Like you can't, 
it'd be very hard to find a prescribing doctor to give you Vyvanse under the age of 18. Yeah, I think it's nuts, man. Like, I don't mean to push my dogma on people, but giving kids Adderall, like here I comes get alt-right it. Anthony. Here comes Alt-Right Anthony. Here he comes. <laughs> but I think this is more of a left-leaning perspective. I'm worried about the people here is like, when you put kids on this stuff, I mean, it's speed, man. Yeah, so, so, so what I was getting at is I was part of the Vyvanse trials when I was a kid. So I got put on um, 50 milligrams of Vyvanse, which is a lot, um, when I was like 12 years old. Yeah. And I took that for years and years and years. Okay. And it was, you know, and then I took um, like medicine at night for like psychosis and bipolar that like just knocked me out. So it was like a constant up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down every day. So. Okay. So then what did uh, 15, 16, 17 look like well, for real you? Real quick. I know we're trying to like no, it's all good. keep it somber, but he did promise me that he would bring up a story from that age. What is that? Oh, God. Oh, the butt rubbing story. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Is that what we want to yeah. do right now? Okay, yeah. Just okay. to give you guys a taste of, of some of the, the, <laughs> in, the fun that we have here. Uh, Tanner told me this story. We were actually in the in the car, and I listen. And he was like, <laughs> "Don't tell anyone." Well, this story. No, I don't care. He you told guys. everybody. Yeah. Uh, I like so, the attention. So me and Tanner were talking a little bit about some of the things that you've been through, and I'm vanilla. You know that about me. You I'm are, just dude. I'm vanilla. Plain He's not even. No, I'm French no, vanilla. No, you're dude. not even French vanilla. You're like no flavor yogurt, baby. <laughs> just nothing. Just you sustenance. put granola just in this thing. <laughs> you no, need dude. to. You got it. <laughs> You got to give it something. But we were talking because I, I did. I mean, I had um, I had a tendency to. Um, I was pretty provocative when I was younger, man. I was. I was fun, you know. I, I was I wild, dude. I was getting wild oh, out there. You were there. showing your shoulders when you were a child. Is yeah, that I wore tank tops when I was younger, dude. He saw a boob on TV once. I have. I have. I remember in the movie Species, I saw boobs. So I watched that a couple times. I just can't stop thinking about you as a provocative child. I was. I was. I was, I was provocative. A, I was a fun, fun, a fun boy. Mm-hmm. But you, uh, you would tell me a couple of stories of the things that uh, you've been through, and we don't necessarily have time to dive into all of that <laughs> yeah but you were telling me uh when you were a kid about you and one of your friends tell me that story um so you know when i was a kid uh i want to say i was probably nine or ten years old um so young so young um you know i think a lot of kids and maybe not you man but like a lot of guys um do weird stuff with their friends when they're younger yeah. you know and I'll I go think as deep as you'll let me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning that when I was a child, my first exposure to pornography was transsexual porn. So in my defense, I thought that girls had penises too. So I was yeah. just practicing. You didn't know what was going on <laughs> down there. I didn't. So um, yeah, dude. You know, there's only so many things you do. As you know, we're not just having full on gay sex at yeah. nine or ten years. Well, old. you don't got the drive for that. <laughs> yeah. So. So I had a homie that we had done some some weird things together, and you start running out of things at, at some point, you know. Well, when you say weird things, like you guys <laughs> were like kind of copying what you'd seen on the. In well, the that's porn. the thing is like I I no because like we really hadn't seen a whole bunch, and like you know most of the stuff that we had that I had seen was like uh, at this point. Um, you know, was like male and female stuff. So it's like, no, I didn't really know what we were doing, but you know, you do what you think you're supposed to do. You know, it's like, 
Um, you don't really have to see anybody jack off in the shower for the first time to jack off in the shower for the first time. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. So we would like touch each other's wieners and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, by the end of it, yeah, we were like out of things to do. So we were just making stuff up. We yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Rubbing our butt cheeks together. Oh, I love that, dude. <laughs> Kissing each other's butt cheeks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you told me the best part of this story was... He, uh, I got he, over it. He, yeah, you were done with I it. I was over it, man. We had done everything, and I, I, I had this buddy, and he was, he was very popular. And uh, the fact that like he spent the night at my house a lot made me like popular by proxy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and here's the thing about this kid too is that he never stayed the night. Stayed the night. He would always freak out at like three in the morning, and his parents would have to come get him. Because um, <laughs> they're kissing his butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. No, that's what like I even call my mom that, too. Even before <laughs> we even, rubbed, even before the rubbins. No, he this one time I was like, yeah, man, I'm like kind of done with this. I don't think I'm gonna do it anymore. And he's like, I'll go home right now. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll kiss your butt. I'll kiss your butt. Let's bring it over here. You bring it. Let's rub oh, butts right look now. Look at it, man. I don't know how long we fell into it. Like David, you asked for it, man. And I and I laugh, man, because I I can it. I, I, I relate, you know what I mean? And, and I don't mean to laugh to just say, it's like, man, the fucked up trauma that we've put ourselves through. But I, I mean, I, I do think that some of that is, is childhood progression, like, you know, natural progression. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, some of it when it leads into, especially the story that, that you've told me later in your life, that some of the stuff that you've put yourself into and, and not to, you know, label one thing as uh, deviancy and, and another thing is not, you know, um, but the things you were doing, mm. you know, were hard on you. You know yeah. what I mean? And no, when you absolutely. talk about it where it's like, fuck, man, it doesn't sound like what you want to be doing. So 15, 16, 17, what does that look like? So I spent a lot of time in uh, either behavioral correctional facilities, so like juvie or mental, like mental uh, Oh, no facility. kidding. Yeah, I mean, from the ages of 12 to 17, um, well, I, I guess I, I left the first time when I was 16. So from the ages of 12 to 16, I would say that I spent about uh, 60% of that in some sort of... Um, Just back and forth. Yeah, either alternative school or in some sort of institution. Yeah. And that was like kind of um, another like kind of ethos of my parents when I was younger is like, we're young. Uh, and I don't blame, you know, I look now and I don't blame them for this, but it's like, we're young, he's crazy. And so in Missouri, there's a charge called ungovernable. You can get it at school, you can get it at home. And it essentially just means like, what it sounds like. It's like nobody can govern you. You're just wild. And I think that that term fits me pretty well. But I got that. It's a charge. And I got that charge. I think there was 47 of them expunged off my record at the time I turned 17. Oh, my God. And, like, it's an arrestable offense. So they would come pick you up and then take you to jail. So they'd, like, They're, petition you. Yeah, the juvenile assessment center. And then from there, they would decide if it was more, like, behavioral mental health and they would like put you over to Crittenton or if it was like behavioral like law stuff they would put you in Buchanan County Academy which I spent quite a bit of time at Buchanan County Academy as well which is like a militant style um, like residential do you think during all of that you were just getting worse I, that's the thing yes because I met I met um, you know so I you know I uh, as I'm you know and I'll say this I'm sure a lot of people probably um, know already but like I'm a heroin addict right um, and I where I, you know I was doing opiates and heroin before well, not heroin yet but opiates before I went into Buchanan County Academy the last time I didn't um, meet people that shot up um, until Buchanan County Academy and I I God, I shot up for my first time like three days out of So a PCA. place like that kind of expedited yeah. your it's like prison process. 
It's like you go to prison, uh, you know, uh, evading taxes, and you come out a bank robber. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, so what happens? Do you get, uh, what is it called, uh, when you emancipate? What do you say, 16 you left, or you just leave? You just run away? Yeah, so in the state of Missouri, 17, you're an adult. Okay. Um, 16, I was out um, probably 80% of the year. Um, either on the run, I would I would run away a lot. Yeah. Um, like to the point where like the police in my hometown, when my mom would report me as a runaway, would be like, "Get if he's not back in five days, then we'll report him as a runaway." Which they is just, like they just against like protocol. Hold the their yeah. hand over the phone. They're like, anyone seen Tanner? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, is he in one of those cages in the back? <laughs> yeah. Because like I said, it's not a huge town. It's it's a large town, but it's like. Uh, big enough to where you can get in a lot of trouble, but small enough to where everybody knows your business. And like every right. police officer, and and my family is also pretty prominent in my hometown. My 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 great grandfather started a chain of restaurants that are pretty um, successful, and was like sat on like a couple boards in the city and stuff. So uh, my family, and they're, it's large. I come from a large Mexican family, so uh, well, everybody knew the Barbosas, and everybody knew who I was, like all the police officers. So. Um, to answer your question, 16, I was out most of the year. I came back, and that's kind of been my my ethos, my MO, is like I will, I do, I will do really bad yeah. and then do really well. Like when I do well, I do, I don't, there's no in between. Like uh, this last time that I was in treatment, I had this, um, had this counselor, uh, Fletcher, and he was a really cool guy, and he's like, you know, guys like you and I, Tanner, it's like we either die or we take over the world you yeah. know what i mean like you're either you know what i get that vibe from you man i think that we're gonna have to to bring that back up because for you it does feel like that yeah like uh, to me it does it's like you have a hard time just being average yeah no i don't play it i don't do average i just it's hard yeah me. you're not a and face it's something in the that, crowd it's something that i i've wor- i've been working on yeah um you know, it, it, you know, especially coming from, and, and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk more about this a little later, but like coming from a, like a pretty strong entrepreneurial background, um, starting businesses when I, you know, was 19. Yeah. Where the hell, but like, so, so lead me into that. Like why and when do you start to have this structure? Like, is it because of your grandfather or people like that? Like so how my, do you turn this my, misconduct into a business? Yeah. So my dad is me? very, very sales and business oriented and as, as is my mom. That's one thing that they do um, have. They do reflect. You yeah. know, my mom has always, um, since I was young, started um, these like pop-up businesses where she would make like, uh, like for instance, like we made, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when those like, re- they're like really long necklaces and you wrap them twice, girls wore them. They were like, they would be wrapped twice and they would have like one and then another. Yeah. Like when that, when that first came into the scene, uh, my mom, m- myself and uh, my stepdad's sister um, started a company making those and selling them. And my mom was like the face of the company as she always is because she's like a hometown celebrity. Oh, you're, you're, and, you are a product of your mother. Oh, I know. I met your mother. Yeah. She's like a, I always say she's like a PG 13 version of me. She is. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Maybe even, isn't there a, another one between 13 and R? No, Just no, there's, there's P, NC, there's PG, and there's PG, PG 13, R, NC 17. So I'm NC 17. R would be in the middle of me and my mom. My mom's PG thirteen. What does NC seventeen? It means mean? sex, baby. It's bad. That, that's gonna happen. <laughs> it's, bad. Okay. it's bad. It's a yeah. lot of effort. There's like the FCC. I think uh, like limits the amount of F words you can say in each one, and I'm pretty sure NC seventeen is unlimited. Oh, you yeah, carbon. Because even in PG thirteen films, you can yeah. say that's like one of Chad's podcasts. 
Yeah, yeah NC-17. NC-17. Yeah. We, we're NC-17. We don't mean to be. I don't want to be. Chad <laughs> makes us. First six minutes, and then we're NC-17 before you knew it. Then I'm just over here trying to crank the wheel back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to get us back yeah, to yeah. that rated R yeah. version. Yeah. You know good. what I mean? Yeah. Trying to get us back to that Seth Rogen, baby. That's what I just something <laughs> sweet. You know, something you could take yeah. home to, to mom, man. I feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you kind of had that ingrained in you is that business. Venture. Yeah. And like, and growing up, like, um, you know, you, t- you always take those tests, mm-hmm. um, in school, like what your, um, ideal, um, job should be, you know what I mean? And like across the board in public school and Catholic school in high school and middle school, they've always t- always said sales and entrepreneurship for me. Mm-hmm. They've always said that. So I just had that ingrained in my mind that like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm either going to do, because I did sales from a young age. I worked in phone rooms. And so I knew that I had the ability to sell, but it's like, I got tired of selling somebody else's product. Yeah. So I just knew that it, I just needed to wait and find that industry trend like my mom would do. You mm-hmm. know, she did the, the necklaces and then she did bows and then she, it's just like, she always finds, she did LuLaRoe when it came out. Um, so she always finds these like um, industry trends and I just knew that that's what I needed to do was just yeah, wait. Yeah, you're a quick starter, dude. I am. Quick start. No follow through. Yeah, yeah, no follow through. No, no follow fact through. finding. No fact finding. Papa's ready to go. I'm ready to go. Right Let's away. Yeah. You didn't dip your toe in the pool at all. Mm, I just, Me, I did my toe in. I come back. I did a 360 uh-huh. front flip, dude. Yeah. My butt showing. <laughs> dip, your, dip your buns in. <laughs> buns first. Buns first, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> You picked that up, and that's what you said we'd come back to. But at what point did it start to get just like serious, awful? For what do you mean, like just whatever? Like, because for me, when I listen, because I look at your story and what you're talking about, you're in and out at 16, and then at, at 17, you're you're out of the house, you know. And how old are okay, you? Okay, okay. So you, before twenty-five now, twenty-six. I'll 26. be twenty-seven in March. Okay. So okay, so that's why I was asking because it's gotten, like I said, it's gotten. All, I didn't know which awful you were referencing. So oh, yeah. before, which so the awful before the greatness. Um, so I lost um, my, I lost my best friend. Um, one of my. So growing up, um, and I definitely want you know want to talk about all three of these people at some point in time. So it's like growing up, um, there was myself, my friend Christopher, and then my friend Eric. And we were like the three musketeers. Like we uh, did everything together. And um, when I was 17. Did you guys go to juvie together at all? Uh, me and Eric did. Um, Chris always managed to stay out of trouble, which is ridiculous because he was the worst one of us all. He just stayed um, off paper. Dude, man. he did. Some people do. One time he, I'll make this quick. One time as a grown man, he beat up a child and still managed to stay out of trouble. <laughs> so, so like I'm like, I like steal a beanie from Kmart. And I'm like locked from up. Circle K yeah. and I'm doing hard time yeah dude, dude he like beat a child up choked him out anyway so um you know and not to get too somber but it's a, my, my friend eric was you know pretty heavy alcoholic we all we all were you know drug addicts and alcoholics eric mm-hmm. primarily alcohol um and he got into a drunk driving accident um driving on these back roads in riverside uh riverside road in, in my hometown it's like these jumpy roads and he had this little cavalier and we used to we used to do what we, we call it, go out and jump shit and we just go jump these um jump these like little hills and uh, he went out there one night just him and this other guy um this older guy that it's kind of started hanging out in our friend group that none of us really liked because he was shady and he got eric to do weird bad things like meth you know and uh they went out one night intoxicated they were jumping shit and uh didn't come back and um that fucked me up really bad man um so they crashed 
yeah, they crashed and he he died. And um, dude, I lost it. Um, that was like my best friend. You know, I stopped. I was working at a call center at the time illegally, and um, I stopped going to work. This has been one of the only things that's ever done this for me, but it's like, and I'm sure, uh, you know, I don't know how much you've divulged with your own stuff, but, um, you know, like, like I said, I'm a heroin addict. I stopped doing opiates um, because just be, not, not because like I didn't, you know, I thought I was like, oh, I need to like change my life. It's like, I stopped doing opiates because I couldn't get out of bed to go get opiates. Right. Um, I, I didn't have the drive to even cop, you know what I mean? Um, and so, I, you know, I started, um, I, I went back to my mom's house. I started living in her basement. Um, I was basically killing myself with like air duster and triple C's in her basement. And the only, the only reason I was doing those is because I could steal her car and car at night, drive up to Walmart, steal them and then drive back and have it all done in 10 minutes. You know, right. um, and that was like as far as I could go, as far as like energy, you know, to do yeah, anything or drive. Messy boy. So yeah. So on, uh, on a little bit after Christmas, I, um, yeah, cause I showed up to Christmas loaded, um, and my mom was like worried about me because I, like, I naturally I start doing opiates again, you know, a month or two later, and um, so I show up to Christmas all messed up. And my parents and my, well, my my mom's side of the family made this plan. So like a few days after Christmas, they were like, um, "You're going to treatment." Um, so I did, and um, you know, I that was the beginning of the rest of my life essentially. Right. Um, that's where I got introduced to you know the the fellowship of recovery. And um, that's where I started to really actually thrive for, for some time. All so, right, we're taking a break there. That's perfect, dude. Yeah. That's perfect, perfect, perfect. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to take a quick break. Tanner just got into treatment. Mm. What a miracle. Oh, I'm pretty sure he stays sober forever after yeah. that. And that's the end of the podcast. Now, we'll be right back, guys. Good evening, my friends. It's Commander Cutie, Mr. Chudsy Wubsy from the Last Week Out podcast, and we've got some exciting news for y'all. Over here at the Last Week Out podcast, we are produced by Slack Media LLC, and they have a special promotion going on right now. If you are a two-legged homo sapien or a millennial who just had a meaningful conversation and have the urge to put it on the internet, we're just the people for the job. We record, edit, and update and post. Fuck, update and post. What the fuck is update? Why did I say update? You can update stuff. I guess you can update stuff. Listen, dude, you want to fucking do a podcast? Guess what? We're the ones that can do it for you. We can edit, mix, master, and produce the whole thing, and we can help you figure out, do you know what an RSS feed is? Because I sure didn't when I started this, but because of Slack Media, now I do. So, if you have a podcast and you want to get it started and you want to skip all the difficult stuff, go ahead and email slackmediallc at gmail, and or you can and or fuck god damn it dude and or and or 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 you can slide in our dms at the last week out on instagram get on in there love you bye All right, we're back. 
we back? Can we back? Can oh we yeah. Back? Can we back? Okay. Can we back? Chance the Rapper. Shout out. Sponsorship by Chance the Rapper. Yeah, we're actually sponsored by White Claw. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. We're gonna get the logo claws. thrown up there. It's actually just gonna say there ain't no law when you're drinking the claw. That's right. Who's that wild right. rapper I just found the other day that's been around forever? Just Riff destroying. Rap, no, no. The, oh, I love the other Riff dude Riff. that you're like, check out this video. What is it? And you showed me about? this like horrible video of people like spitting up blood and oh, drinking. Oh, Earl Sweatshirt, yeah. No. Oh, dude, so he's, a, David, he's tight. Yeah, David's always way behind with, with rap hip-hop, music. Yeah. yeah, with rap music. Well, the fact that you just called it hip hop lets us know why. Yeah, hip hop. You know, the hip, the hop. The hippity hop hop. And so uh, David the other day was like, Have you guys listened to Tyler the Creator? <laughs> We're like, yeah, dude. He's like, y'all know Bone Thugs? Yeah, you guys never listened to the Cypress Hill. See, Leech came to my defense. He's like, you know what? This is actually kind of cool because you get to like hear all their stuff all at once. Instead he was of, being nice. Yeah, yeah well, because be nice he's a nice fucking guy. He is a nice We're guy. We're not. No, and that's, that's why you hang you out with us. You should act that way in public and with people. There's, I believe in being be civil. <laughs> yeah, don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. But in the next breath, it's, it's funny that you have such a... Uh, little knowledge of what's going on in, in the hip-hop community. I wish, I wish I had friends that would take the time to educate me, but... We well, try. You don't, you don't. We try. I still am unclear of the difference yeah, between G-E-Z and G-Z, and you've really never made it clear. We've shown you pictures. No, okay, it's gloves off with Tanner Barbosa, because that's what the people want, man. People want to know. the people what they want. So let me tell you a little bit about your reputation, and I want you to get into... Sort of how we got here and tell me a little bit because when I think of you, you've covered it well, man. Like I think that obviously most of us who have, uh, you know, a drug history, there's a little bit of turmoil in the household. It doesn't have to be a terrible household, mm-hmm. but a little bit there. Um, but you have like a proclivity sort of for like you were saying is salesman and, and pitcher and quick starter. And, and that's you in my mind, you know. Um, and I think you, you hit the, the ball out of the park when you said, uh, you have a problem with being average and I get that. Like I couldn't imagine going with you somewhere and you just, you know, me being like, Oh, I forgot Tanner was there. Tanner went with us. Mm -hmm. I forgot that. Yeah. Try to embarrass him at a store. Oh, I've tried. We were at a, uh, it doesn't work. (laughs) We were, we were somewhere the other day. I said, Hey, this is, uh. This is a date with me and my boyfriend. Tanner took it way over the I said, the yeah, top. we're having sex tonight, <laughs> yeah. baby. I immediately regretted <laughs> it because I knew he was just going to just play that thing all the way out. Um, but I, I think it speaks a lot to kind of, you know, who you are now, you know, and, and the perception of you because I know that you got yourself into – a couple of things, you know, in the community, and I don't want to use too much jargon, but, you know, there was the patient brokering running and then yeah. um, just any of these little hustles, which for me is, an, I've always told you, it's an endearing quality um, that I find in people where they have drive, Yeah, you know, and, and I think as I've gotten, and that was me, you know, when I, when I was younger, I, I found little hustles, man, mm-hmm. little fucking hustles little cons i was selling all the hemp necklaces at yep. school whatever it was yep. is know? that a new rapper a little hustle yeah a little little, oh, little hemp necklace, little hemp necklace, little necklace baby. Uh, sounds good but i know as i've gotten older um you know it's really important to me that you know the the people's perception is is 
is something I take into consideration. And, and then just, you know, having good guidance and good people around me to kind of let me know when, when, you know, my primary purpose is, is deviated, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And, and so when I've talked to you, there's been times where you're telling me about your thought life or why you're making a certain decision. And I got to be like, whoa, pump them all the yeah. way, lock them. Yeah. And, uh, and so you were saying, and you went to treatment when you were about 18 years old. 19, buddy, just yeah, turned 19, yeah. Your buddy passed away, mm -hmm. and you go to treatment, and you get introduced to this lifestyle, mm -hmm. right? And when I say this lifestyle, I'm talking about the fellowship and the community of recovery, whether it's 12-step or, and that's probably what you found, 12-step huh? yeah, yeah. recovery. And so... Um, you found it. Mm -hmm. What and I do was you like, think of it? I, I, I tr you know, I, I got sober in Prescott, um, which for those of you guys that don't know, there's a very well, it, now it's dwindling, but there was a very, very strong presence of recovery in Prescott. Absolutely. Um, from you know, uh, when I was there in 2012, 2013 to 2014, and um, you know, I kind of it, it was kind of like the book talks about. It's like I felt like I had arrived. You know what I mean? Like you met I, some people that yeah, felt like man, you, and and, and, and like. Um, you know, I'll touch quickly on it. It's like, you know, I going through treatment, I was pretty sheltered. Um, I went to a you know, I got kicked out of the first place that I went, which was like a pretty open place where you could walk around town, but I was only there for 28 days. They kicked me out. Mm -hmm. um, and I went to like a higher level of care and um, I was there for three months. And dur so during that time, I was pretty sheltered. So it's like I saw some meetings um, and I saw kids my age, but I was kind of convinced that they were just faking it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I you know, I didn't really think that kids our age stayed sober long term like i saw i saw people like you know i'm 19 i saw people like 26 almost 30 you know 27 28 29 30 i'm like okay maybe then you know yeah. um so then i went to this uh this convention uh of young people and um like prior to that i had every i was going back to missouri i had um my dope dealer gonna meet me at the airport and i was like full send ready to get high again and um that convention like changed my life and then so what i ended up doing is i went back and rather than getting high for um for the you know going to missouri and living there and getting high i stayed for a month i got the cheapest flight i could back which was a month out and i spent a month doing amends um and um you know making amends to my family and you know some of the clearing out some of the wreckage of the past and i just went full send into this like young sober dude mm -hmm. and like that's what i decided how I long that do. last um so i stayed sober for two and a half years um, that's a long time decent haven't been able to get back there yet and yeah been, how is your recovery then um for the first bit of it, it very strong yeah. um you know and then uh i did as we do and i start to let things um kind of take over you know i started a business at, at a pretty young age i started a vape juice company uh -huh. and um you know that progressively got very large just because of the era that i was in i kind of um, you know, Struggle, it was, it was, iron that, was hot. yeah, it was that industry trend that I was talking about earlier. You know, I hit it and I hit it right. You know, I was right on top of the wave and I wrote it hard. And, um, you know, so I got to the point where I'm like in this super unhealthy relationship with a, you know, this girl that can't stay sober for longer than 90 days. And, um, you know, so I'm constantly cleaning up after her and I'm not really having to look too much at myself and I'm making all this money. So, um, that's not like really, um, you know, an issue as far, you know, so, but it's like, so when you're, when you take away those things that would normally, um, you know, make you reflect and look at yourself, it's like, it, it gives, it's like, it's the devil's playground, man. You know, yeah. I started to fall into some like really shitty behavior, um, and kind of dive into some of my other secondary addictions and got bad. I couldn't take it anymore. I got high. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, for me, when I, when I kind of talk to you about that stuff, I mean, it's hard for me, man, to, when, when you start telling me stuff, cause when I've talked to you about your recovery and, and like who, what I, when I look at you now, I think there's these certain areas that you have that are sacred. And what I mean by that is like, I've seen you with your daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you're a good dad. Thank you, you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. And, and you care about her and, and you're polite and you know what I mean? And you're teaching her good yeah, principles yeah. and all those things. And there's these times where you decompensate into our, and, and so do I, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and I know that, you know, you have all of this training and all of this knowledge of recovery, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like when I look at you, it's like, Sometimes I feel like you're playing uh, tennis, you mm-hmm. know, between like the man that you're supposed to be when you're 30, yeah, and the guy that you know what I mean, and, well, it's and it's kind of like stuff at 21. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It's, ab- it's absolutely. True. <laughs> what was it? I didn't even hear the drop. And I wrote it hard. Yeah, you wrote, that <laughs> I wrote it hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the thing is like this time coming back, and and you know I attribute a lot of um, what I, what I've found that works for me. Um, you know, to meet to meeting David, honestly, to you know I um, I came back. I had moved to a different side of town, so I was kind of excluded from um, you know, and a lot of it was due to my my past transgress- transgressions. But I was kind of excluded from the East Valley. Um, and, and rightfully so. And so I, I knew that if I was going to survive, I needed to find a new fellowship and I needed to find what worked for me. So it's like I found, uh, you know, I hit up David because I had seen him around oh, and I wrote it hard. And you wrote it. <laughs> I wrote, and I wrote oh, David hard. But yeah, and, and, and I've found um, these areas of like, you know, like service and things like that that have allowed me to kind of try and be you know allow me to be like that dad and that thing that you're you know that stuff you're talking about yeah i mean so you were back and forth two and a half years like you said a lot of the time for people in recovery and and this doesn't just mean because i work with people who are recovering from anxiety and depression and self-harm and and all these things that people recover from Mm -hmm. and um what i'll see is you know our the way that we decompensate is just like we, we kind of put down those coping skills that we've learned, yeah. whether they're starting your day properly, and then we stop um, with our fellowship. We try we start cutting off ties, yeah, right, and um, and then before we know it, we're we're right back where we started. And you kind of said that's kind of what happened with you. And then it was what back and forth, back and forth, back yeah, and forth. you know, in and out for a number of years. Um, you know, I, I I drank like a gentleman for um, a number of months, and then that slowly turned into. Um, not drinking like a gentleman, but I hold on to that idea that I can because I did, even though I know that I can't. Um, but yeah, and and that's one of the things. It's like I, I do do the back and forth, but today I've I have learned and have a pretty good understanding of um, w- of what those signs are. And it's like you know I've got about three or four of them. You know what I mean? And once I start to notice like two that are taking place, I'm like, oh, okay, time to turn this around. Um, And I know that's not like the healthiest way to look at things, but, um, you know, whereas like before, like I'm full fledged, like acting out in all my other addictions, I'm not waking up in the morning and praying. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and then then it's like, I'm like baffled when I get loaded. How did this happen? What? Well, and, and for you, it's like, how are you okay with 
not jumping into the next big money grab. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, a lot of it comes with, um, you know, I, I've always placed myself in a position in my friendships and my relationships where um, that's my role. Um, you know, like where I do like spontaneous stuff, like take all my friends to Disneyland at midnight, you know what I mean? And we drive to California and hit Disneyland as soon as it opens up or like where I take on these girlfriends that have no jobs and no aspirations and like I have to pay for everything. So it's like, I'm constant. I have to be in that money grab, you know, whereas today it's like, um, you know, you guys are are my best friends and it's like, you guys don't expect anything monetarily from me. And, and, you know, I'm, uh, I'm with Hannah now and, um, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for that relationship because it's like, she's got her shit figured out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, she doesn't, um, she doesn't like need me to, to be, um, Mr. Moneybags, you know what I mean? Like I can just do what, um, you know, works for me. And then it's like when I, and I wrote it hard. <laughs> it's like when I, uh, when I, you know, when I started at the last place that I was at, um, you know, I started in a position where I was not making a lot of money and I came to Hannah and like with this like fear and insecurity, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be making like shit for money. You know, right. she's like, that's fine. Like, that's what you need right now. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was exactly what I needed. And, you know, it, it progressed into a, a position, you know, in administration. And, um, you know, I, I wrote it hard for a little bit there too. And, and that was exactly what I needed. And I wrote you know, it hard. You know, it's funny, dude, until we were sitting here talking, <laughs> I was thinking about like your, perce- my perception of you and, and then thinking about, you know, what you've gone through. And right now you're working in roofing and that's, that industry's got a really bad tag on it. It right does. Now. It does. Are you, what are you doing? Do you doing some illegal shit? Doing no. So, and, and that's the thing that I think, <laughs> and that's the thing that I, you know, I was very transparent about my employer with when I came in as like, you know, I already have a really bad name um, as far as like the patient brokering and, and, you know, just the, all this, you know, sex scandals and all this shit. Like I just, I need to be sure that this is legit. You know, if um, just tell me straight up. You know out. what? Let's hold on before we even get into that. Let's talk about because that's jargon to some people. Patient brokering. Let me tell you guys what patient brokering is. So in uh, 2012 ish, it kind of that's when I think it kind of started. Before no, then, maybe no. People were patient brokering. That's when in, you heard about. Yeah, it. people were patient brokering in. South Florida in like twenty seven in like two thousand seven. Yeah, I mean it's going. It's been going on even in, with cancer and things like that. But when it was really big out That's here, the good money right there. Yeah, yeah. No, people don't talk about that enough. But um, <laughs> what it is essentially is if a, a, a treatment center or a hospital will pay somebody for getting an admission for them, which from the outside. From the far peripheral, you'd say, well, I mean, that's what you do. I mean, if someone's, you know, if someone sends me a lead for lighting, I'll throw them some cash. I appreciate the job. But where it gets. pay a couple bucks per subscriber. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you guys want to find us subscribers, we'll pay you, you know, whatever. But where it gets. (laughs) Where it's wrong, and and I'm sure this could could start a a bunch of debate, but where it's wrong is. People start paying more, right? Some some hospitals pay more, some pay less, and this is where it gets bad. This is where it's bad for the client. Is we stop recommending people to the appropriate level of care. Yeah. We stop recommending them to, who to pays the most. ethical places. It's whoever pays the most. Absolutely, and and we we lose our ability to to properly advocate for a client because they start to believe that they are a money symbol. Um, and I can tell you that in 2013, I had a buddy who just couldn't get in anywhere. 
Like, it, because that's its own problem. Mm-hmm. We can debate about that forever. But he couldn't get in anywhere. And I called Prescott. Someone had given me a phone number. I called a guy. And he was like, we'll come pick him up today. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I can't get him in anywhere. And if that person would have said, and we'll give you $1,000, I'd have been like, what? Yeah, man. <laughs> I got five of them for well, you. So, and that's the thing is like when I first got into the industry, I, uh, and maybe this was me being naive, but it was like a full um, lateral move from vape juice. I thought that the FDA was going to close everything down. So I needed to find something quick that I could make as much money as I was with vape juice. And that seemed to be the answer. So when I first got into the industry, like I didn't understand that it was illegal. I didn't understand um, that, you know, I didn't see the, the nasty side of it, the, you know, and this will kind of explain it a little bit further for the viewers, but it's like, you know, the final insurance check that you get paid on is normally cut after 14 days. So I didn't see the people telling kids, go into treatment and stay for 14 days and then come out, I'll get you high and I'll put you in a different yeah, place. Yeah, but towards the end. Absolutely. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, so when... Um, you, you know, when I, towards the end, it's like I was getting loaded. So it's fuck. Yeah. So here's the thing is like, you know, I had my, uh, my things that I didn't do, you know what I mean? And, and, and I, and that was like, that kept me sleeping. Okay. For quite some time. Um, you know, I didn't get people high. I didn't tell people that they had to stay a certain amount of time and I never paid a client directly. You know what I mean? Um, so my, what I started to realize though, is what you just said is that unless I could send a client to a place that accepts referrals from no other sources and um, it doesn't matter how much they pay me, I can't feel okay sending a client. What had happened, what, what happened is I had this kid and you know I won't say his name, um, this kid from Oklahoma and it was a completely organic lead came through. Uh, you know, I was doing some lead sourcing through SEO and, and like stuff like that and I had this kid that came in completely organic, not from a marketer. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know, a marketer is somebody, it's, it's kind of a pyramid thing. It's whoever gets the most money has the, is the one that has the direct, you know, relationship with the treatment center. And then they have people under them that send clients for a lesser amount of money and people under them and people under them. So I didn't even know about the ring. Yeah. So I had, I had, I had direct contracts with every facility that I worked with for the most part. So, um, I, I, would have people send me clients. So this one was completely organic, didn't come from a marketer. So that means you don't have to worry about, because I don't do those three things I was talking about. So I didn't have to worry about them. I didn't have to worry about them getting paid. I didn't have to worry about them telling me I'm only going to stay 14 days. And I didn't have to worry about them asking me to get them high. Right. Um, because those are the things that I dreaded the most. Cause that would just make me cut a client right there. So, um, I was like, Oh dude, this is, this is going to be solid. Well, this kid gets in and he stays for 14 days and I get paid and I don't hear from him anymore. And, I'm like, oh, this is weird. You know what I mean? Like, I normally like to check up with my clients, offer to pay their first month at Sober Living if they do well, yeah. get them some clothes or something like that if they came from, like, the streets, you know? And uh, I am and I told them all this stuff. I'm like, dude, if you do well, I'll help you out at the end. You know what I mean? I'm not going to pay you, but I'll get you on your feet, you know? And I'll make sure that it's comfortable for you. And uh, I didn't hear from him. And, you know, about nine months later, I end up seeing him. Um, he's got this pic on, uh, like, Hollywood Boulevard or something like that. And he's, he's out in California. Mind you, this is, like, a sweet kid from like Oklahoma and it, it like you know genuine yeah. as can be he had been he got pulled out of that treatment center by somebody else that had offered him money and just thrown him high and he had been in the in the ring for for months and months and months and that was like one of the final straws for me where I was like because I was sober again you know and I was like I can't uh I can't and I tried dude I tried to stay sober and because I did it for a few months after that um but I, I tried to stay sober and do it and I couldn't yeah. I couldn't stay sober while, while placing people in treatment for money. 
Yeah. And uh, that just because you knew it was not good. Yeah. And I, and it's like for me, uh, and I'll just totally transparent. Like since I've done that, I've gone to treatment like five times myself, four times myself, and I've gotten paid every time. And I started to get into this mindset that I won't go to treatment unless I get paid. Oh, so man. it's like I knew like, it just I'd, I'll just figure it out. You know what I mean? I'll go uh-huh. to CBI or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like I started to realize that if I feel that way, other people feel that way. And if it's going to come down to the time where the kid hits 26, doesn't have insurance anymore, won't go to treatment because it's not worth it for him anymore. Because whereas before treatment was just getting your life back, now it's getting your life back and getting some racks. You wow. know what I mean? And, so I, like, and what I hear, and because it's so hard for me when I listen to you say stuff, so, because for me it's like, you know, when it, it's, you're talking about sending these clients and it's like I had these rules and I'm like, man, fuck your rules, man. You're either in or you're out with doing uh, degenerate behavior, you know, and, and for me, um, I, I kind of listen to you and I hear that stuff that you're talking about when, when you're younger, like you, you didn't feel like you fit and then you, were, you had to have money to ball out with everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and even in our friendship, I've seen you just, it comes back to money for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it, it it, that's what I feel like. No, it does. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so uh, with that behavior, that was one thing. And then, um, you know, what's been going on in the last year for you, though? Like, what's changed? I mean, for me, the the main thing is kind of like what I was touching on earlier. It's like I've, I've jumped wholeheartedly into service. Yeah. You know what I mean, like um, before I didn't do this thing for anybody other than myself. You know what I mean? I didn't do this to give back to the newcomer. I did this because it helped me make money. Yeah. It helped me, you know, achieve this, this uh, status that I needed to feel okay with myself. Yeah. And that was it. it hard. And what would you have told me though back then? You'd have told me what you're telling me now, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'll tell you the same thing next year. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> no, but, but do you know why it changed? I don't, man. I think Kobe has a, a, a large part of it for me. It's, it's a, it's a large thing, you know, like this, um, last time like losing custody for a little bit of time like really um showed me that like i gotta get this shit because like i there if there's anything that i like i don't and i think most of you guys know this about me like i don't like i think everybody says like they don't care what people think about them but like i i really for the most part unless it's somebody very close to me like i don't really care what people think about me. But one thing that I won't let anybody think about me, even if they don't know is that I'm an absent father. That's like one thing that I refuse to be. Why do you think that is? I don't know, man. I think because, um, you know, my dad and I did not get along growing up at all. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've seen how big of a role my dad was in my life. And like, no matter how hard I made it to be, my dad was still there. And I've seen like, you know, some of these redeeming qualities that I have as an adult are, 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 you know, from my mom and my dad, but, um, you know, as boys, you know, we, we learn how to be a man from our father, you know what I mean? And, and I know that Kobe's not a boy, but it's like, I, I also know that, um, it's very important. I've, you know, I've dated a lot of girls without dads and I see how that turns out. You know what I mean? Weird, uh, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. And, uh, so I, I didn't have a dad by the way. Well, it shows. No, I'm just kidding. That's why I'm so no. strong. <laughs> that's why he's plain vanilla yogurt. Yeah, plain vanilla. My dad. Um, but no, that, so that's why, you know, I, I, and dude, there's just like, you know, being a hundred percent transparent, like for the longest time. And I still kind of feel, feel like this sometimes. Like, um, you know, I feel like I'm kind of a sociopath. Like I, I don't really, 
um, understand. I didn't for the longest time understand what it means to love somebody. Yeah. I understand what it meant to like like somebody or to need somebody for something and have and keep them around and do your best to keep them around. But like until I had um, my daughter, and 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 I'll be honest, like it was not initial. You know what I mean? It it it, it t- took some time. Like a lot of people say, like. Oh, you're in the you're waiting, and maybe for some. And I pray for people that that is their experience, but that wasn't for me. It took it took some time. Um, you know, I'm still figuring my shit out, but it's like I can say wholeheartedly that for the first time forever, like I understand what people say when like they would die for their kids. Yeah, like that's the only person in the world that like um, I would absolutely 100% die for if I needed to. Yeah, you know? I don't think you're bullshitting me about that, man. And and you know how I feel. I kind of call you out. What were you going to say something, David? I was just going to blow up his spot. If you ever want to get him to agree to something for real, uh-huh. then you have to ask him to put it on Kobe. Oh, put it on Kobe? Yeah, but you have to be careful because sometimes he'll oh, try and so trick you and he'll be like, no, he'll be like, okay, I put it on Bovi. I'll put up to Bovi. Bovi. He'll say Bovi, not Kovi. So you have to get him to spell I, it out. I don't think you're. I, <laughs> I've heard, you know, like people that are frustrated with you because of your past behavior. And it's hard, man. It's hard when you come into rooms where we have this. You know, driving force of acting right. Yeah, you they're know, the good. They're the good heroin addicts, though. Yeah, yeah. No, they're the I good type it. of heroin well, addicts. That, that I get it. I yeah. hold people accountable for their <laughs> actions. Mm-hmm. You fuck me, and I might come on here and be like, dude, maybe he is a sociopath. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't think that about you. I just think you know, from my and and I haven't had a lot of experience with you. But you justify your shit usually around money. Like mm-hmm. when I've met you, like I, I, I look at it and I'm like, man, this dude will convince himself of some fucking unethical bullshit yeah. under the, the guise of like, that's just business. You know, business is business. Yeah. And that's something that I've come to, like as I've gotten older is like, well, we just got to eat the brokenness now. And if you stay doing the right stuff, eventually it'll pan out. I've kind of watched that with you and, and, and you've taken on, you know, not necessarily our primary traits, but I've got to watch you, you know, struggle with your fears of financial insecurity mm-hmm. and, and continually make the, the right decision and, and trying, at least fucking trying yeah. and, and talking and doing those things. Um, so what are you hoping on next? I guess we've only got a couple of minutes. But for you, it's like we've talked about, you know, your daughter and we've talked about where you are and, and what you're making, what you're making decisions for and, and how you vacillated back and forth. It's like, well, what now? Like, what do you got now? You know, I mean, for me, I, I just um, I'm, I'm working every day to kind of like what we talked about, kind of learn to be just OK. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that's like. That's where, you know, I see growth for me is mm-hmm. like, and that's where I see like the future for me is like, if I can just be all right, being all right, then I'll be okay. You know well, and I mean? you might be great at some stuff. Yeah. You just can't be great at everything. Damn. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's for the next one. What's the next business venture? Um, I don't know. You know, I, um, I, I like the roofing thing right now. It's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I came on, um, and you know, pop some deals right off the bat. 
Um, I don't know if it's something that is, I don't know if it's my forever job. I, I love working in mental health. I think you know that, um, you know, admissions is like my, my forte. That's what I think I'm good at is getting people that are on the fence as to whether they're going to, uh, and that's what, that's what was one of the driving forces behind, um, the patient brokering thing is like, even long before I knew that you could make that kind of money doing it, mm -hmm. I always wanted to be an admissions guy. Yeah. Um, I met a guy, uh, Jason McCullough, whenever I was, um, at decision point in, uh, up in Prescott and that dude just like blew my mind. You know what I mean? And, and I, I like, wrote it hard <laughs> and, uh, and I was just like, yo, like this guy's got it. Like this is what, what I want. So like I could see myself getting back into that. I think I need to um, put a little bit more time in between, uh, you know, my last shot of dope and now. Before well, what's I, your main purpose right now? Re service really, you know, I just got involved um, in, in a higher level of service. Um, you know, I've, I've done like committees and, and meetings and things like that, but I'm kind of trying to, um, to figure out the, the, the higher level of service side of things so that I can, um, Oh, recovery service. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, so I know that's probably jargon. No, it's okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I hear you. Wow, dude. And just being a good dad, dude. That's the main thing. You yeah. Know I mean? That's like, what I want to hear. We, you know, I've got my daughter back full time, not, not full time in, in the sense that split equal parenting time. And over five days a week, one day or one week, two week, two days a week, the next. Yeah. Um. You know, all parenting rights restored. Her name's gonna my. Her, you know, my my last name's gonna be on her birth certificate. Like Bovi Barbosa. Bovi beat little baby. <laughs> <laughs> all these things that like I you know I've got my license back. Like just all this crazy shit that like I just thought was so far from attaining. I'm seeing that. Like, well, what do you got to be careful of? Myself, man, mm -hmm. I got to be careful of falling into, um, you know, because I can justify anything to myself, anything. Right. Well, how are you going to do? How are you going to just staying close with you guys and checking myself? That's what community. That's what, yeah. Community is a big thing, man. And not just community that like cosigns whatever bullshit you throw at them. But like people that will tell you, like you said, like, you know, pump the fucking brakes, man. You're being wild right now. Yeah. Dude. Well, I don't mind you being wild. I just don't want, you know, there's those core principles. And for me, when I, cause I've got me and you have talked, like I've got what you got when it comes to um, business ventures where it's like, I see a quick buck or even just like, you know, Black Friday TVs, we mm -hmm. can make a hundred bucks on each one of those. Mm -hmm. And then I'm trying to figure out how I can pull all of me and Becca's savings out to buy 15 of them, you yeah. know, whatever it is, you know, where it's like, okay, I got to slow down, mm -hmm. you know? And, and for me, it's like, uh, I got to be careful because, um, cause that's just the way my mind works, Yeah, you know? And we've talked about that, but I don't know, man. I mean, I appreciate you. You know that. Yeah, of course. I and uh, you. we'll definitely do this again. And the next time we do it, what we're going to do is just let you go completely unf mm. unfiltered. Maybe it'll just we'll just do one with him and Chad. Just do one with him looking at the wall. That'd be sick. Talking. What do you mean? Just facing that way? Yeah, that'd be real cool. I'd like that. You'd probably get pumped up. If we put a mirror in front of you, you'd oh, probably talk for three hours. Last night I went out to dinner and I sat and I sat across the, the we went to, uh, what is that place? The place that does the Hot Pockets, I forget. What's it called? Oh. Uh, the grocery store. No, no pastry. The Patsy. Patsy. went to Patsy and I sat, we sat downstairs and I sat down in one of those booths and I look across. I saw the most gorgeous man I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It was a mirror, baby. It was me. It was, that was me yeah. I was looking at. I was so excited. I sat and looked at myself all night. Yeah. Dude, wrote thank it you for coming here. Guys, we are at the hour mark. We are going to wrap up what I heard Tanner saying with some beautiful stuff. Stay in community. Be careful for some of the things that, you know, take you into decompensation. But I, I appreciate you guys. 
Uh, Chad will be here next week, so it'll be a little spicier mm. next week. We'll ride it hard. We're going to ride it hard. We'll ride it hard. No, I appreciate you guys. See you next week.